0: minutes it is before 9 p.m we're under the microscope this evening and uh, we are taking a look at ivermectin i've been chilling with Australia that uh, i certainly have some difficulty in uh, pro- pronouncing that um, if i am in or whatever uh, i'm saying all manner of other things so ivermectin that's the name of the drug and uh uh yeah the big question now is uh, i guess uh, um this drug, having not been authorized up until now, uh, what is it? What does it do? And uh, what are the implications for human use? Dr. Natim Zadla joins me uh, to help us answer some of those questions. Associate Professor and Chief of ICU at the Dr. George Mukari Academic Hospital and uh, Safako Makato University. Doc, good evening to you and welcome.
1: Good evening, Ayanda. Um, thanks for having me over and uh, good evening to your listeners as
0: well. Doc, maybe let's let, let's start off here. When we talk about ivermectin, what is it and and what is it currently used for?
1: Um, The first thing probably that I might have to probably correct and um, align is the fact that ivermectin used to be uh, recognized and registered in South Africa for human use. So what happened is that um, the license was supposed to be renewed and nobody renewed the license. And there's a reason for that. And it's mainly because the drug is so cheap that no company was going to make money out of it. So nobody was mm. willing to go through the process of registration and renewing the license. So it used to be registered. So going then to your question, um, ivermectin is actually a World Health Organization essential drug. Um, it's been used for curing all sorts of parasitic infections, both in animals and humans from about the 80s. It was discovered in Mm. the late 70s uh, and started being used in humans from about 1981. Um, And the reason it's actually a WHO essential drug is because it wiped out river blindness, a predominant condition in third world countries. It Mm. erased worm infestations in the third world and all other sorts of parasitic infections. And in fact, the discoverers of the drug received... Um, a Nobel Prize for science, or coming mm-hmm. up with the drug. It's a very safe okay. drug. It's used all over the
0: world. Mm, mm, mm. Now, 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 talk. I mean, in the case of you know COVID nineteen, what, what, what about uh, the properties of this particular drug make it suitable as a treatment for COVID nineteen, or I guess in the case of um, you know the, the explanation you've given us for why it wasn't authorized. Yeah. Uh, why it wouldn't be. So
1: the, the the simplest question is that there was no reason why it should be shouldn't be authorized. Let me put it that way. Mm. But obviously SAPRA has got a list of registered drugs. So unless something is registered within SAPRA, they cannot permit it. So it's actually a technical reason why it was not registered in South Africa. It was not because of safety, it was not because of any other mm. issues. It was because mm. nobody applied for re-registration of the drug. That's the first point. So in terms of its effect, when COVID started all over the world, including South Africa, everybody looked for a cure for COVID-19. But because it was obviously a new virus that nobody had seen before, the easiest thing to do was to look for what you have at your doorstep to see what you can use to cure the virus. And that's what is so-called repurposed drugs. So people started looking for what was available that can be used and repurposed to use against COVID-19. Unfortunately, we sort of got caught with what the first world was doing. So the first world was obviously not going to look at a worm, you know, uh, uh, de-infestation drug because that's not what they were dealing with. The third world hasn't Mm -hmm. dealt with worms for decades. So they never looked at ivermectin. So they looked at drugs like hydroxychloroquine, remdesivir, trolecumab, uh, uh, and all sorts of other expensive drugs. But Unit A sure. decided to actually investigate cheap drugs available in third-world countries and to help third-world countries find a cure that uh, was cheap and available in those countries. And ivermectin Doc? was one of Doc? those drugs that was investigated.
0: Yeah. Doc, I want us to pause here for a second and when we come back, I want you to continue on that score because uh, I think uh, a lot is becoming a bit clearer for me about, I guess, the market structure of the pharmaceutical industry and also, of course, uh, where we look towards in our own public health response. I'm in conversation with Dr. Natim Zadla. We continue after this. Eight minutes it is before 9 p.m. We're under the microscope uh, this evening on Metro FM, talking on the mighty Metro and I'm in conversation with Dr. Natim Zazla, Associate Professor and Chief of ICU at uh, Dr. George Mukari Academic Hospital and Safako Makato University. Now, Doc, you make a very interesting point and I want us uh, maybe to unravel it a bit more. What you are suggesting to me is that one, ivermectin on a cost basis Um, is potentially a lot cheaper than some of the other things we're administering to respond to COVID-19. But secondly, that South Africa, in terms of how it's looked to resolve this issue, has looked so much to the West that we've forgotten about, I guess, some of the third world diseases that we've had.
1: Definitely. Um, And one of the questions that I actually have asked is how did we purpose here on being on the boat of investigating ivermectin? So Dr. Andrew mm. Hill, who you might have heard about, is a professor or a doctor at the University of Liverpool. So mm. Unit 8 tasked him to actually go and excavate data on what was available from the third world countries about um, the therapies that were being used there for, for COVID-19. And one of the drugs that he was asked to actually look at was a vermictine. So you must then remember that start to do any big study, you need finance and backing up. Without mm-hmm. finance, you can't do a big study. So Unit AID was actually obviously looking after the poor, low to middle-income countries. And they funded him to actually do this work. So he then discovered a whole host of trials done from uh, Egypt, Argentina, Peru, um, Malaysia, um, and all other countries in South Asia and Africa on abamectin. So he then compiled this meta analysis which actually informed my um, take on abamectin and why I actually decided to write an article asking why we not considering using for for Africa. And the data is very really compelling that the drug is actually effective. So we could yeah. start uh, considering other drugs and there's a there, for example, which is what we touched on, which was authorized by SAPRA to be used in South Africa as a proposed drug, is actually a drug for Ebola. It costs it costs about ten thousand rands per treatment cost for a uh, patient. Avemeton, uh, 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 uh. Uh, a cheap drug, on the pre-black market uh, prices, is about 550 rands for treatment cost. So it then begs of the question to me that like why we were not interested in actually looking at uh. this drug, even within the same. Um, reasons that we allowed uh, remdesivir, tocilizumab. On the other side, uh, this is a drug that the UK is authorised from one study to be used in the UK. Mm, mm, mm. That drug costs about sixty thousand rands. The treatment cost for a patient, we could never afford it in South Africa, so we couldn't nah, afford remdesivir. So uh, this, to me, was a drug that was one drug that we should have been part of investigating and actually seeing what, what, what how it can be used mm. for South African patients. And no. in the studies that are available, it's been proven to be effective for prophylaxis, for um, front-end workers. It's been proven to be effective for early treatment in people that have got COVID, that's early, to avoid mm. progression to severe disease. And lastly, it's been proven to save lives for patients that have got severe uh, COVID-19 disease. In all those spectrums. So the studies are weak for prophylaxis, obviously. That is why one would not recommend that everybody goes into the drug for prophylaxis. But for treatment, it's been shown to stop progression in about 48% of patients to severe disease, which for me is very significant. In patients with severe disease who are in ICU, it's been shown to prevent mortality, that is death from COVID-19, with a range of between 43% and 83%. Now, even if you take midway or 50%, if we could save half of the patients with COVID-19, severe disease, when in ICUs and so on, from mortality, that would be a big Hmm.
0: Mm. You know, Doc, I mean, as you're speaking, I, I'm sitting here asking myself, you know, whether or not, I guess, other economic interests have steered the health debate in a particular direction from a pharmaceutical perspective. Uh, because... On the other hand, you're hearing uh, a narrative that says we're running helter skelter, trying to reprioritize budgets, trying to raise taxes, trying to borrow or increase our borrowing requirements to fund vaccines, which even many in the European Union are starting to argue are overpriced and effectively are uh, creating a, a massive export market in a context of artificial scarcity. And yet you have ivermectin here, as you're suggesting, much cheaper. Um, what, what has been the, I guess, official response from our health authorities, especially as it relates to, to, to ivermectin prior to this?
1: So it is unfortunate that our health authorities from the beginning took a very belligerent um, angle and tact when they were engaging clinicians, those asking for ivermectin to be used. The number of uh, clinicians that have actually been asking for this drug to be used has been very high. Um, Interestingly enough, the objections only came up with the second stage of COVID-19. What Hmm. most people do not know is that the drug was freely available during the first stage of COVID-19 in South Africa. Hmm. It was being prescribed in a lot of hospitals all over the country. Pharmacies had stocked up and bought outloads of tablets to treat COVID-19 within uh, their setups because, like I said, Peru and all other countries have started doing this in May because they realized that they need to have a strategy to tackle COVID-19 within their setups. So SAPRA uh, only got hold uh, and knowledge of uh, the issue around COVID-19 uh. in December for the first time. They released the objection and criminalizing the drug in January, as well known from the 6th of January. And all of a sudden, everybody who was using the drug before suddenly had to hide and pretend they were not using it uh, or deny using it because suddenly it became criminal. So this was there before, and lots of people do not know this. It's been prescribed and used in many hospitals in South Africa, including high
0: Leave it here, unfortunately, and uh, thank you very much for an insightful conversation. Um, I, I'm certainly, yeah, 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 probably going to be reading up tonight. Uh, about some of the debates on on this particular score. But really, thank you very much for taking time out and sharing your wealth of experience and uh, insight with us. You're welcome. Dr. Natim Zlatl is an associate professor and chief of ICU at Dr. George Mukari Academic Hospital and uh, the Sifako Machato University.